0: Namaste. So, uh, as we enter into the special Darshan day, 24th November, uh, most of us think about it as the day when Shri Krishna, his personality as an avatar, the avataric personality of Shri Krishna, fused with Shri Aurobindo. This is how it is most widespread known. And especially as uh, Indians, Hindus, we are very happy about it. <laughs> but f- actually, if we go through the writings, shobindo did not give much importance to this event. Mother says, when she went and told him, he simply nodded that he knew about it. That's it. She came to say something she had seen. And what she had seen was that Sri Krishna is fusing with Sri Aurobindo. When she went to talk to him about it, he was in his intense concentration bringing down the super mind, but he himself did not give so much importance to it. So then, what else is the importance of this day? There are two other very important events that took place. One was that from after 15th August. 1926. That is after Shubhendu's birthday. The mother had automatically, spontaneously, guided by an inner uh, urge, we may say so, she had started taking charge of the ashram. This, these are Shubhendu's words. On her own, obviously, she knew what's why she was doing. And when she started taking the charge of the ashram, her first urge was to bring down the highest for the children who were there and she brought the children uh, brought the gods into the earth atmosphere they began to manifest in many of the disciples handful of disciples they were not disciples also they were people who had gathered around shrivinda and they started having brilliant experiences of a very high kind and then she goes and tells shrivinda about it shrivinda says yes i know we can make a great religion out of it the greatest and Till the end of the world, people will you know, uh, worship, but this is not what we want. It is an overmind creation, nothing short of the perfect perfection. That is the supermind where there is no possibility of any error. Creation of the gods is still subject to error because it stands on the borderline. It is not yet crossed into that complete truth consciousness. It is like the rays and not the sun itself in the language of the Vedic rishis. So the mother understood by her inner consciousness and she dissolved that entire over mind creation and started anew for this supramental work. Now what that is, what this means, we will talk about it perhaps tomorrow in a Hindi talk. And the third event which is equally significant is that it, uh, it is the day when the mother formally, she had already started taking charge of the disciples but 24th November 1926 is the day when Shirubindo completely withdrew from all outer um, activities, there were very few anyways, and the mother took direct charge of the disciples. So when someone asked uh, Shurbindo that there is a charm and poetry in the fact that the ashram doesn't have a foundation day. <laughs> Still, I would like to know if people may like to know when is the foundation day or when was the ashram formed. Shrivindu says that twenty fourth November nineteen twenty six can be considered as the beginning of the ashram. At the same time, he the mother says something very interesting: the ashram new year is actually fourth April nineteen ten. That means fourth April. The reason is is coming only only after his coming that this possibility started. So we can talk a little bit about the Shrivindu ashram. And it's a mother's creation, so it's very difficult to talk about it, even to understand it. One of the best ways to understand the ashram is to live it and for a long time don't try to understand it and As you live and as the ashram grows into you and you grow into the ashram life, one begins to little bit understand because it's mother's srishti it's not a human srishti, even to understand. The creation that we have made is, I mean, we have participated in, so difficult. But there are several hints that the mother and Shurubindha have given, and we can talk about it. But before that, it should be very, very clear that making an ashram or building an ashram or creating an ashram, whatever we may say, and uh, having disciples, this was not mother's and Shurubindha's mission. Someone asked Shurubindha. He says, This will be hardly anything. For the mother to come down and start an ashram with some people. This grew as an extension of their core mission. So their core mission was to create the bridge between man's mind and God's. To build the bridge between earth as it is today and the supramental worlds that are trying to manifest. And the mother says very powerfully that even if not a single person recognised Still they would do it The avatar doesn't need anybody to know And the mother said Our work does not depend upon any human being This work doesn't depend on any human being And it's, we can take a comparison For instance Sri Rama came in the avatar And he brought in a new consciousness He didn't start an ashram He didn't even give a you know, talk or write anything Sri Krishna Very few recognized him He gave the Gita he didn't start a school and yet we see that his work was done similarly shurbindo and the mothers work would have been this part of the work which is the most important work this part of the work was entirely upon them they were the bridge their body their consciousness and they were to build the bridge of consciousness by embodying on one side the human consciousness on the other side the unmanifest supermind and that even if no one knew, there was no ashram, their work would be a success as long as this happened. Which happened? So this is important to understand. So then what was the need of an ashram? So like everything, it grew organically, if you use the modern term, or under the pressure of the divine will manifesting itself. There was no plan. There was no plan that, okay, 24th November, 1926, Shri said, I think we should start an ashram because there are quite a few people. Mother says that there was never at any moment any plan and that's why it's difficult to understand the ashram. It was not started with a mental thought, mental idea. Okay, we have to accommodate so many people, houses are required, nothing. So it started as Shri said, says, by the pressure of the chit tapas. They were doing tapasya. And as a result of their tapasya, just like we see that Vishwamitra created an NXA of Swarga for Trishanku. And Trishanku is not just one being. Trishanku is a type of humanity wanting to go to heaven but is not ready. Similarly, the mother and Sri as a result of their tapasya, as an explosion of their tapasya, as an extension of their tapasya, the ashram came up. So, obviously, in the scheme of things, it has a purpose. So, what was the purpose? One of the first writings, one of the first uh, reasons why the mother created the ashram is when the divine comes, though he comes to bridge, open next rung of the ladder and he would do it even if no human being knew about it. But he comes with divine dreams, divine ideals and that he wants to manifest. To manifest, you need time and space, to conquer space and to conquer time in which that divine world can manifest, express itself. And there is also a need for a collective kind of life. Shabinda speaks about it in his, one of his letters to Barin, Deva Sangha. So that a collective life, a group of humanity can thrive, can be nurtured with this new consciousness and move towards that. How is that important to the rest? Because we are all interconnected. And simply because one person strives, let's take for example in a household, there are four people or let's say there are just two people, husband and wife or friends and as one person strives to move in a certain direction because of the interconnectedness, the other person will either have to keep pace or there will be a brick. Just can't help it. The law of evolution now, when one human being, that's how Buddha helped mankind, one Buddha and hundreds and thousands are lit up with that spark and begin to follow. So, it's not important that there are so many adherents and followers. the never wanted that and he has made it very clear in his letter. I do not want thousands of people. That's not important. But even if a few handful sincerely are uplifted, then because there will be a vacuum, to fill the vacuum... More and more will come. As more will come to the next step, others will follow suit. This is how the new creation will proceed. So this was the whole purpose that let there be a sample of humanity and there was a burden on this sample of humanity. These two came just as with Sri Krishna, certain Devatas and Devis came, even Asuras and Rakshasas came because they are part of the grand scheme of things. So they were all waiting for this moment and they also came to become part of this scheme. How were they going to help by becoming part of this scheme? Very simple. Let's take for example a scientist. He experiments in, uh, on discovering, let's say, the principle of electricity or solar lights. He does it in his own laboratory with a few assistants. Each one contributes something. There is the main scientist who has the idea and is working out all the inner plans. There are others who are trying to build, you know, panels. There are still others who are trying to find how to fix it. But once it has been worked out in one laboratory, then it can be replicated. It's like a fire which spreads. So, Srivabinder in one of his letters writes, this ashram is a laboratory as X puts it. A very different meaning. How is it a laboratory? It's a laboratory of human evolution. Where does the laboratory begin? People enter from very, very different kinds of uh, points into the ashram life. It was asked to Sri I wish you had all people like Vivekananda into, into the ashram. What a master and what a disciples. And shivindu writes humorously, as to the disciples, I agree. <laughs> but that was his way of saying. <laughs> but your other question, that if I had disciples like Swami Vivekananda, it is very doubtful if they would even agree for this kind of venture. Because it is very difficult. And if they agreed, it is very doubtful whether the ordinary humanity in them will not show up under the pressure of the uh, transforming consciousness. So these were the ones who were representative Humanity. So we will see that certain letters, for example of Dilip Kumar or Nirodha or Hutadi, we will identify, Are yes, 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 this comes to me also. This is my problem also. So they were representative samples of humanity. And if things could be worked out in them, they represented the resistance and the possibility. And if things could be worked out in their nature, it would automatically, through a Morphogenetic resonance, if you want to use a scientific term. It would help many others who are going to come here after. That also answers the question, what is the ashram doing for humanity? Because we don't have hospitals where free medicines are distributed. Because we want to somehow find a way through which we can heal without medicines. We are very far from it. (laughs) Let's be humble. Many have not even woken up to this idea. We don't have a free school Because we want to try out a new education way Through which all education can become a self unfolding of the divine within We are very far But the work is in progress We want to discover new ways of structural engineering Golkund is an example Which can become the yoga of the divine in the material world We are very far from it But at least we have a couple of examples We want to discover new ways of music new ways of art, new approaches to science towards solving human problems of food, of greed, of need, everything of equality, of fraternity and if it can be done here of course as I said there is still a long distance but once it is done here it can become a prototype for others. Few things, today the world cries for equality, fraternity Freedom Everybody says This is the ultimate Nara of mankind It's not just a Political slogan It's a spiritual need Now how is it uh, Very beautifully It is there In the ashram life It's so natural One of the first things That struck me About the ashram Is oh All these three things Which are dear to me Also I say It is there How there is freedom Everybody is given Maximum freedom Minimum rules Mother's own words Very few things Are like not to do, and that too was subsequently, because people kept asking, because you can 't create a new creation unless you try out different possibilities, experiments it 's an experimental thing, so maximum freedom, you have the freedom to grow each in your own way, not even a particular religious, ritualistic approach uh, or indoctrination on anyone. Nobody takes account how many have come for the meditation and next day notice nobody takes account what kind of dress you are wearing as long as it's a decent dress nobody i mean you, obviously if you move as a naga sadhu that's not acceptable uh, for deep public decency is also something so <laughs> so nobody asks how you are in your room what you are doing here there is no cctv camera watching over you nothing of course if you become a public nuisance or you brush against the law obviously the law of the land has to be respected and if you become a public nuisance anywhere in the world, that's common sense. It's not so freedom. Obviously, it doesn't mean that. But otherwise, there is maximum freedom. Nobody compels. Nobody takes an attendance in the department. What time you came? Maybe once in a while, somebody may tell you. When are you leaving? What were you doing? They may, you know, they are always gossipers who may talk, but this is not the ashram ethos. She didn't build it like These were never encouraged. In fact, mother said to gossip about what others are doing is unfaithfulness to the divine work. And this is not our task. So, this is about freedom. Why that freedom works out here? Because there is a center to the freedom, and that center is the divine. Freedom doesn't mean that I'll do what I feel like, what I want to. It is understood that the goal is the divine So then that freedom Now you organize your life in your own free way Which will help you to find the divine And if we don't What if we don't? The pressure of consciousness of the ashram will Automatically people can't bear it and they go away This has happened If you think that, you know, if one thinks that, okay, I'll do whatever I feel like, it doesn't matter. Nobody is here to monitor me. Nobody is going to tell me. It doesn't matter. There is a, mother says at one point, there is no outer test. But there is a very severe inner test which goes on. There are forces that are constantly and she's watching over it, ultimately all under her grace. That's why it's an experiment. It's an evolution. So a point comes when you, one cannot bear the pressure of change, So one goes away, it's perfectly fine. It's it's nobody asks a question. Nobody calls anybody invites to join the ashram. In fact, right from Sharubindow's, I mean it's a way of saying Shravindo's time, there were many more people who were asked not to come. From twenty fourth November 1926 till 1955 December. There were hardly about 150 or 200 people who were accepted as ashram inmates. Most people were not asked. They were asked to do the sadhana outside. So, another illusion which you must not have is that one must become an ashram inmate to do the yoga. Several letters of Mother and Sri it's very clear that one can be anywhere and do this yoga. Even in the ashram or in Pondicherry, let me put it like that, there were two kinds of people and there are plenty of letters to that effect. Those who came with family, who wanted to support the family, who came with a child, who came with wife or husband, whatever it is, so they could be part of the ashram, they would be considered like that, but they are supporting themselves. That means they are earning the money and they are, uh, this was one of the bases it was not that they are not ashram inmates simply because they are having their family this is a, another conception that many people have there were there was always people like that on the other hand there were those who came who wanted to join the ashram in this way that you know physically i want to depend fully on the ashram so in that case whatever they nobody was asked for it but whatever they could they offered to the ashram And then they continued to remain as part of the ashram. Even now you have something very similar. You have prosperity list and the non-prosperity list. So people are ashram inmates. Even there are people in Pondicherry who are earning their livelihood or who have earned their livelihood, who have family and children, but they are part of the ashram. They are offering their work. They are um, going to the samadhi like that. So of course changes in outer structure take place. So this is the Essence, And there are disciples outside There is a letter of Sri who says There are very few who are called to live in the ashram There are many more disciples outside Than there are in the ashram Because this place, the pressure is very intense It's an unseen pressure, it's very difficult to understand That's why when people would come to have some peace The mother would say, there is that hill nearby Can go there Because as we understand peace, a retired man's peace, every day I'll go sit at the samadhi, do some meditation, little bit work and I'll be at peace. Here there is pressure for transformation. And this pressure is not at all visible. This pressure gets more and more when we begin to stay here. And as we begin to stay, live here, then that pressure, what does that pressure do? brings out all that is hidden inside. It's like a catharsis, a cleansing, a pressure to change, and we are compelled to become sincere. If not, as I said, people part ways, and they have the freedom to do that. So, freedom, equality. We all dine together, and I won't use the word wine together. We all divine together. (laughs) Yeah, wine, divine wine. We we drink together. We nobody asks anybody. People sit together in the dining room. You will never see which caste the person is from. Whether person is Indian, European, nothing. Equality. Again, why this equality works out? Because it is based on centering around the divine. What is that bond which ties us? Not that I am an American or an Indian or European but simply because I am a child of the mother and others are also devotees and children of the mother and while I may have dislike and likes like any human uh, um, difficulties and problems, but yet this is known that okay, <laughs> there is that deeper link which is always there. So equality. Everybody has equal opportunity. This of course is rightly speaking fraternity but also equality. Everybody has equal opportunity. What is that equal opportunity? All the ashram facilities. Be it sports ground, swimming pool, tennis ground, music section, learning anything, art department, everything is available to everybody. Not just VIPs. In fact, if you behave like a VIP, there is a problem. Yesterday I went to sports ground to park my scooter. It's raining. I want to park in a place. No, sir, you cannot park. A lady out there. So I started. So I said, Tama, Dr. Ayak, Something. Doctor, okay, but take the scooter away. <laughs> no VIP. Ah, I'm so sweet. You feel so happy that yes, that ethos is still there. So there is no VIP culture. Okay, you'll see first time when I went with Yuman Bhai to Gloria, I didn't know he's a trustee. He just said, Come. I sat with him. I saw a man in dhoti and wearing a shah, banyan. By his side there was this fellow who was sitting and I am going with him. He asked me a little bit, didn't speak much. He showed me Gloria, came back as if he was duty bound to do these things. He would send me uh, uh, on birthday because we shared the birthday, happy birthday and I used to be surprised how he remembers. That is a kind of humility. Many times you won't even know. There are people in the ashram who don't know who are the trustees. You will be surprised but it is true. So that VIP culture and this and that is, those who want to flatter and all is a different thing altogether, but it's neither expected nor required. Everybody has equal rights, equal opportunities to grow. So this is the way this ashram has grown up, to hold an ideal of humanity very high. And why this is possible? Simply because this life is centered around the divine. And this is a message to the world. You can't have these ideals if you cherish limited identities. The only way mankind can realize these ideals is by centering oneself around the divine, by realizing the divine within. And that's why the mother speaks about a Gnostic community. Says you cannot have a Gnostic community till you realize the Gnostic being inside you. But that's a different subject altogether. So how did it all, it all started? As I said, by pressure of consciousness and Through this ashram life, the mother has planted a dream upon earth. As I said, their work did not depend upon it. All this is now add on. It's like when mama makes a nice dish, everybody's mama. You have many other side dishes, desserts. But the main dish is what she has made for you. So that dish is the supramental. Creation, the bridge that is given to man now. Even if there was no ashram, even if there was no other event, mankind will evolve into the supramental being. This is destined. But then there are add ons. After all, the wine has come. No? He is not happy only giving us, okay, there is the bridge. Because, what is the mariada? So he said, okay, I'll create a space. This is one of the gifts of Srivinda and the mother to mankind. You can do the sadhana everywhere, but come here. You will have better opportunities. So people go to companies to see for opportunities. So what is the opportunity here? The mother describes it in one of her uh, passages, a dream. Which nowadays you see, Auroville, it is being distributed, a dream. But it was originally written before the Auroville was formed. She writes, And this is how the ashram life can be best described. There should be somewhere on earth a place which no nation could claim as its own, where all human beings of goodwill who have a sincere aspiration could live freely as citizens of the world and obey one single authority, that of the supreme truth. A place of peace, concord and harmony where all the fighting instincts of man would be used exclusively to conquer the causes of his sufferings and miseries. We are experimental beings who are trying to work it out, how far one succeeds, that's only the divine mother knows. But this is what the ashram is meant for. So there are people who need to be to fight the outer war, definitely. But there are people who have to take the much greater and more challenging inner fight. Not all are ready for that. So this is the inner war. A place where the needs of the spirit and the concern for progress, which take precedence over the satisfaction of desires and passion. We have everything that we need for. We have a room, nice, clean, hygienic food, exercise, gym, studies, if you want to develop, learn languages, learn music, art, everything, dance, different things. But if one says, I want, uh, you know, that letter of Sanadi, you know, What? I want to have um, lobsters, fishes. She writes to Sherbindo. All these things. See what a free relation they had with the master. You know what? I want to have lobsters, fishes, crabs. I want to eat. Sherbindo writes, eat your desire. So, (laughs) sense of humor. So, it's not pleasure and comfort. But everything that one needs is there Because now you are provided Mother says that several times she met people in her life Who would say how can we pursue a spiritual life Because we are so bogged down with our outer needs So mother used to think that when time comes If I get an opportunity I will create a space like that And she says somewhere around what is known as the middle age Middle of one's life I had the opportunity And so I created a space where people need not uh, worry about livelihood, about a place to stay. This is the true communism, not that barrel of a gun. So, this is the communism which is the divine communism whose example the ashram is. But uh, she says that, I have seen that it doesn't work out. (laughs) So, this of course (laughs) marks to us, (laughs) not very flattering marks. But she says, it's okay. Okay. It's for the divine, these are things which he says, ki, uh, nevertheless, it says, people are called. Uh, how many can sustain the pressure? Uh, it's, she, she, she allowed that big leeway because she knew that this is a very difficult task. And as I said, this is one of the creations. Equally Auroville society, they are one of the creations. Even if none of them was there, their work will be done. Only they are trying to make it easier for all of us. There are people who have this need and they are bogged down by outer situations. Children would be able to grow and develop integrally without losing contact with their souls. Education would be given not for passing examinations or obtaining certificates and posts but to enrich existing faculties and bring forth new ones. In this place, Titles and positions would be replaced by opportunities to serve and organize. The more you are ready for serving, the more work is given to you. It automatically comes. So it's not based on title. What am I going to, can I put your symbol, some people know, mother symbol, now part of the ashram in, in visiting card, no. Leave your visiting card. Or if you want to keep your visiting card, keep the only visiting card is going inside, there the visiting card is ma. And you can't fool there. (laughs) Those fellows know. So, the bodily needs of each one would be equally provided for. There are no like big houses given to those who, who are ministers or anything like that. There is an equal opportunity, equal facility And intellectual, moral and spiritual superiority would be expressed in the general organization not by an increase in the pleasures and powers of life but by increased duties and responsibilities. On our own. Nobody gives a charter of duties. You don't get a job description. Nothing. Beauty in all its artistic forms. So it's a very different ashram like any other. Every Aspect of life Every field is there Beauty In all its artistic forms Paintings Sculpture Music Literature Would be equally accessible to all The ability to share In the joy it brings Would be limited Only by the capacities of each one And not by social Or financial position Any ashram inmate Wants to learn Any of these They are very good teachers You can just enroll You can learn No money Nothing No questions asked So, this is how you can learn languages, you can learn music. For in this ideal place, money would no longer be the sovereign lord. That's a very important thing. There is no special darshan. I I was very happy when I came here. There is no deluxe darshan. No special darshan. Nobody sees, okay, how much is in your pocket. They see what is in your heart. Even that they don't see. Because people don't have the vision to see. But nothing. How much you are offering... They will simply give you an envelope, put it, write it, (laughs) that's it. Nobody is watching over you how much you are offering. Even small amount of money, still you get a blessing packet. Still it is all accepted. Nobody said, oh only this much you are giving, you are a rich man, nothing. So money is not the Lord. Individual worth would have a far greater importance than that of material world and social standing. Uh, So many examples of this. One of them, funny one was one major general saab. He was working in Shivinder society, but he was very interesting. He was a very nice person, very good human being. He would not uh, throw his weight around. And once everybody thought that uh, people use the word general, general. So there were people who didn't know about the rank structure. They thought general Saab is very general category. Major is good. And he used to take it laughingly and he would say, you know, everybody calls me Major Saab, Major Saab. I am also enjoying. (laughs) So, there is no such thing. There are so many instances, someone came to international guest house, there was a person sitting on the stool outside who gave all the directions, hints, everything. And afterwards he came to know he is a retired Supreme Court judge. (laughs) And there are plenty of examples like that. So, if those are the things one wants, then, well, the whole world is there, Mother said, for all these things. So, what is important is, develop one's capacities and possibilities while being of service to the community as a whole, which for its own part would provide for each individual's subsistence and sphere of action. In short, it would be a place where human relationships, which are normally based almost exclusively on competition and strife, would be replaced by relationships of Emulation in doing well, of collaboration and real brotherhood. We, we don't uh, you know, when we speak to each other, we don't say "Acha, itho, "dri,he, "me to ye," It's such a joy. It's a real brotherhood. People can be together in such a beautiful way. The Earth is certainly not ready to realize such an ideal. For mankind does not yet possess sufficient knowledge to understand and adopt it, nor the conscious force that is indispensable in order to execute it. That is why I call it a dream. But then she says something interesting, and yet this dream is in the course of becoming a reality. That is what we are striving for in Shurabindo Ashram, on a very small scale in proportion to our limited means. So this dream she has planted here. But this is a dream for the whole world. This is only a small seed plot. But this is meant to be. So what will happen in the future, which more and more we see, already um, this urge is coming up uh, and is there in the life divine, that more and more there will be Gnostic communities. They will spring up all over the world. I know people in uh, um, certain places who are trying this experiment Gnostic communities, where people would like to live. Communes, this is the future of mankind. Not societies, but communes, where they live together, centred around, their life is centred around the great ideal. And that's how they will come together, support each other, nourish each other. And this, uh, when it will manifest, we don't know, but this is going to be the future. There are some places, uh, very few, but it has started. Delhi Ashram is one example, branch of the Ashram. There is some society centers, some centres outside where people are trying this. And that's why Shri says in one of his letters, For the Ashram, there has never been at any time a mental plan, a fixed programme or an organisation decided beforehand. So all those people say, this should have been like this, that should have been like that. No sir, it is the way it should be because... We think mentally, what do we think? We think this would facilitate. I'll give just one example to explain. So when we go into the ashram, we see some very interesting things. One of them is that there are all kinds of these structures, boulders which has come up to support the tree. Standard practice is cut the tree, make a nice space. Mother would never agree to that. And some people said, you know, people have little space to go around. Sometimes you feel, why do you need to go around? What's so special about going around? Go around them, centre them and go around them in, in your being. Who prevents us from making all our activities centred around the divine? Then there was another place where, you know, the, the, uh, the ceiling was a little low when people entered. It's reminded me the story of Naldamiyanti. Where Damianti says, if somebody can cross the low ceiling, that means he is And <laughs> Very symbolic thing, humility. So somebody said we should change this. No, no, no! It's very correct. It will teach people humility to bow down. There was another where people were asked, "Oh, this person he is he keeps talking ill about the ashram. Why have you kept him here?" She said, "That's a very good thing. It's a test for people's sincerity." Everybody has a place. He's doing his self-appointed task. <laughs> Imagine what a job the person is making people sincere. Big task. <laughs> By only doing, complaining and grumbling. That if still people stay on, that means they are genuine about the yoga. <laughs> How this has developed... And every time a problem comes, the only way is by the adjustments of consciousness that the mother and Sri are doing all the time. And that's why she says, the whole thing has taken birth, grown and developed as a living being by movement of consciousness. How we grow organically. Every parent wants to plan their child's life and every parent learns that it cannot be done, but they learn it by the time the child has his own children who believes in the error of the parent. That I'll plan my child's life. (laughs) <laughs> is it? But life doesn't follow that. It grows organically through many unseen, unforeseen events, circumstances, everything. So this is how what they do is by the pressure of consciousness. Think, Simar. Who could have ever imagined? And that's how the divine act. That before the Mahabharata war, this hero of heroes will suddenly start shivering. No, no, no. I can't kill them. Who could have imagined that Arjun? who is the uncontested hero, warrior of the Mahabharata. Always he has proved his merit. Suddenly we will do this. So, there are many things which take place in life, in creation. Divine action is like that. So, that's how it is. By the pressure of movement of consciousness, chit tapas constantly maintained, increased and fortified. And that's why the mother says that it is not that a movement of creation was started and then stopped and then again started constantly. The consciousness is recreating, so to say, continues its creation. It is not a thing which has been done and which grows out of when what has been done. So it is not like mental, oh, you have a problem, okay, I'll give you a solution. It is a pressure of consciousness that brought out and is the pressure of consciousness that is going to resolve it. There are no mental ways and mental answers, which is something remarkable, which one has to live and then, you know, one experiences it. So, but then what is this place, very beautifully? Many people say that, okay, that was then, what about now? So, this is one of the things in this place, Sri Aurobindo has used the word place of central influence. The mother has said so much about Samadhi, so, one way to look at it uh, uh, as the ashram is like an institution. That is the uh, least important way. Because institution is an outer body. And thank God it is not an institutionalized, organized uh, you know, life. We know what happens to institutionalized, organized their religions. Mother said, we don't want to create a new religion where there will be a Pope. He will decide what time everybody will come. How many times one will sit facing east or west and... Praying, lifting hands, or putting them on the knees. No, you are left free. You go to the ashram. You do go to the samadhi at your own time. You don't go. It's up to you. It's each one's journey. So there is nothing which is outwardly institutionalized, which is something. So it's not an institution the way we understand. The institution is there meant to manage the material things because it has to be in somebody's name. But it is the mother and Shrivindu's tapos thali. It is their tapasya, their stamp, which is on this air, this... uh, Of course, the samadhi is the central place where it emanates. Their rooms, their places where they have gone. At one place, Sri says, what do you mean by the ashram in this building? Every room of every disciple is the ashram building. And later on, they said, wherever, Mother said, wherever there are disciples who are connected through Sri teachings... So it's all. There is an inner ashram which is different from the outer. Outer ashram is in material time and space. But there is an inner extension of the ashram. There are people in the inner ashram and their houses are ashram houses. This mother has spoken about it. Shirobhita has spoken about it. And I have travelling to countless places outside. I have experienced that this uh, this room is or this house is just like an ashram house. There is no difference. So, there is an inner dimension of the ashram which we don't know behind the outer. I mean, one can know if one begins to live within. And the core is the mother and Sri their ever-living presence. It's not their material presence. It's the work they have undertaken. They don't abandon and say, okay, okay, now we are going, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> it is we who say bye-bye by constantly saying, 5th December 1950, 17 November 1973. <laughs> they have never said bye-bye to those who, who connect with them they respond just like before in, in fact better mother says for sure bindo he is much more accessible now after 1950 because he is now readily accessible you go to the samadhi there are 20 people staying sitting there everybody's prayers you don't have to write a letter and get an answer these are mother's words he answers to all of us simultaneously And answer is, as I said, the movement of consciousness. So it is not necessarily a mental answer, though even that can be given. So this is how, or it can be translated in our minds as a kind of answer. So this is how the ashram has been. So Mother says another thing about the ashram. People say, when the supramental force manifests, we shall know it quite well. It will be seen, not necessarily other words They will not feel it any more Than those people of little sensitivity Who may pass through this place Even live here Without feeling that the atmosphere Is different from elsewhere So living here is no guarantee Living Is the guarantee Not living here But living That is the guarantee Who among you feels it is such a precise way, in such a precise way as this, to be able to affirm it, you may feel in your heart, in your thought, that it is not the same, but it is rather vague, isn't it? But to have this precise perception, and then the mother says, when she came from Japan and she felt Sherbindo's atmosphere, 10 miles away, and then again she says, when she went, as soon as she goes beyond the lake, so she says that my atmosphere is spread around up till the lake estate. She says, I, have, I had the contrary experience also. And therefore, well, those who are sensitive in their physical consciousness ought to feel that quite concretely. And I can assure you that the area we call the ashram has a condensation of force which is not at all the same as that of the town and still less that of the countryside. I think all sensitive people feel it. That's why they come. So, there are many people who say, what is the point of going now to the ashram? Very much the point. Because there is something available here. People come here from God knows. I mean, I know one story which Hasubai was narrating to me. is His house where we are having these satsangs. So He was saying that once he came for a very short while from the US to Surat. And he had just about half a day. And he asked... Usha Ben was here that I am thinking should I come or not? I have very little time. She said even if you get half an hour to sit at the samadhi, you come. It's worth it. (laughs) And he comes. He was sharing this. And it's worth it. It's not about how much time. Because there is something there. And this is simply because it's there taposthali. But provided don't mix too much with human beings and their human atmosphere. Because there are two atmospheres in the ashram. Shyobindu says that because all human beings are products in the making. You know, when Durga Pratima is in the making, you can't treat it like Durga because it is yet not; it is yet in the making. So, of course, there are all kinds of people in different stages of evolution. There are some very evolved people, but best is come for the ashram, spend time at the samadhi, the playground, participate in ashram activities, take a stroll on the beach. Sit quietly, read. Library house is there. There are of course satsangs. There are things like that, and that's wonderful. Collective meditations are there. So this is a. This will always remain. Nalini says, as long as there is one person having faith, its importance will remain. It's not a place which is started on this date and closed on that date. It's meant to be a hub. In time and space to receive and transmit the supramental force with all its intensity. Now it is working everywhere. This is what the mother said. Now it is working everywhere and yet it is the place where its intensity is maximum. So this is the whole idea. So I ask you, this kind of condensation of force which gives you quite a special vibration of consciousness. Who is there that is really conscious of it? Many among you feel it vaguely. I know even people from outside feel it vaguely. They go around, they say, it nice. You felt very nice. <laughs> That's okay. Feel it vaguely. But the precise consciousness, the scientific consciousness which could give you the exact measure of it, who has that? And that, it changes everything. Do you understand? So it's a condensation of their force, their consciousness, which is everywhere. But here it's Concentrated, Ghanat, that's how one has to look at it. And then she explains something very interesting in one of her visions. Where she experiences, the mother describes her own Vishwa Virat body. And she describes, gives goosebumps when you read that full description. I'll just read a little bit. And I saw the ashram quite clearly. She sees a dazzling white, that luminous body and in which several things are happening. It was clearly special, the ashram, made for special reason. But whereas I seem to have an immense body that was very small, very small, the ashram. Where was it located? She describes where it is located. Located from the navel to the right side where the appendix is. That is the area. She draws a diagram. And she says it's a special formation. She describes there is a purple light surrounding that formation where various kinds of her lights are penetrating and leaving and doing a work. This is a special purpose. But to believe that her work is limited to the ashram is a folly. <laughs> In that Vishvirat body, it occupies a place, a special place, but a small place. Her work is going on everywhere. And who knows beyond this planet? There are certain statements of the mother and Shirobindo very passingly for example Shirobindo casually writes in records of yoga the previous theater of evolution was Mars and who knows the next may be Venus just casually and the mother also speaks about how is the atmosphere in Mars and Venus we don't know what they are preparing where all they are preparing I am not guessing anything not imagining I am just saying based on their we have no clue about the kind of plan they have What all they are working? Where all they are working? So, before we enter into (laughs) fantasizing, (laughs) but human mind has picked up something. Uh, Things like that we see. It was a force with a sparkling white light at its center, the light which is the force of the Divine Mother. And as soon as it was well packed and concentrated inside or condensed, it took on all the colours, vibrations of every colour, like a materialisation. These colours were like a materialisation of the divine force when it enters matter. So this is how there is a special work. It is meant for a special work which we have already talked about. A special section of humanity as representative. Also about the inner ashram which is everywhere. And then she cautions us. Do not judge on appearances and do not listen to what people say because these two things are misleading. But if you find it necessary to go, of course you can go and from an external point of view, it may be indeed wiser. She's writing to a disciple who wants to go because he is not able to stay finding her fault or their fault. She says, well, it's up to you. But then she says, moreover, it is not easy to remain here. People often think everything is provided. So wonderful. That is a problem. When everything is provided, man looks for so what is not provided. So there are lists of <laughs> pleasure, comfort, <laughs> cha-cha, na-na, tao, sha-di, so <laughs> People miss those things. Glutton, palate. <laughs> So everything is provided, that's true. (laughs) But those who are seeking, all those fanciful things. So she says, there is in the ashram and no exterior discipline and no visible test. Nobody is asking anybody. How many hours you are meditating, sir? No. You may be meditating, but Sri somebody says, oh, he meditates so much. Must be a great sadhak. Sri says, yes, he meditates on his wife. (laughs) You see people going and playing in the playground, coming back, laughing. You don't know what's happening inside. (laughs) They are very interesting stories. But we'll just stick to this. But the inner test is severe and constant. A thing spoken or a thing heard is a test. And it can help us grow tremendously if we take the right attitude. This at least has been my experience. And it can equally hit very hard If you take the wrong attitude It's all about how With what attitude we take things One must be very sincere In the aspiration To surmount all egoism And to conquer all vanity In order to be able to stay Why stay? Even when one comes for five days Suddenly You meet someone on the gate And suddenly you are nobody From somebody Why? Because you are told Sir It's not hai. Then you see somebody going inside and opening a chapel there. You want to walk. No, 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 open it there. Are you, they are working inside, but that dip apart. This is the reason why this is happening. But the human mind can take, you know, all these things. So there are stories like that. Some big army officer who came and in the guest house he was sitting and started recounting. You know, people when they grow old, they recount stories of past. And people who are into the future or young, young means future. It doesn't matter what is the age. So suddenly the man who was at the reception, he said, please stop talking all this. He took great offence, he started crying. (laughs) War veteran talking like this, expecting people should stand, do namaste and say, Jai Hind sir, (laughs) haa bohat great ho. Nothing of that sort. So these these things are inbuilt. It is built like that. Someday you feel ah so nice, I have overcome a difficulty, and suddenly something will come, somebody will say something. A little criticism. Dr. Talk, talk was nice, but you know there were f- these flaws. One, two, three, four, five. I'm giving random example. I took your medicine and my condition became worse. <laughs> Now, if you feel bad, that means your medicine and you cured. (laughs) Very simple. I don't cure. I don't... Medicine is not my copyright. It didn't work. Okay, I'll change something. So, this is the way it works. To teach us humility, gratitude. So, surmounting egoism is a very important, challenging task. Surmounting desires, need for pleasure. That's why ashram life is kept so busy that normally even one will not think... Even mother has made a movie theater. Okay, Uh, go and watch movie Uh, because we have Saturday. No, those movies come sometimes. Nice movies. Sometimes they saw even the cricket match Uh, T20. They were going to show the India Pakistan test. Even though it was not (laughs) not the final, (laughs) it's okay. We have all these things. Nice sweet little things which are part of the ethos. Who can imagine? A complete surrender is not outwardly exacted. Nobody asks. But it is indispensable for those who wish to stick on. And many things come to test the sincerity of the surrender. Surrender means okay now. Whatever happens. Aapko de diya. There is a saying in Hindi. Okhli mein sir diya. Toh musal se kya darna. Washing machine mein dal diya. Toh ghur se kya darna. It's beautiful, the lap of the divine mother, but sometimes she may say, dirty cloth, take it out, no, no, mother, this is very nice, take it off, then she will give us a nice scrub, child is crying, mother, he calls a divine soap, it cleanses to the core, Mother, it's hurting, I know my child, don't worry after this i'll I'll only make you quiet. You can cry right now. Like mothers do know. Child is crying but mother is going on. Ah, Munna, ah, And you know, she is cleaning. And after that there is another layer of cleaning. What is that? The, uh, the towel. After that she wraps and takes in the lap. Oh, thank you ma, thank you ma. So this happens here all the time. <laughs> surrender. Child should surrender to the divine mother and put oneself in her arm. This is the way to live here. So every place has its own rule. You go to a new country, visa, there are rules. You need to know. You can't say, I will drive the way I drive in India. No. Mm Palletook, which side of the car, this takes time. After so many years, I still get confused, right or left. (laughs) Because you are used to a certain pattern. So here, we are used to those patterns. You share things with your uh, friend, with this or that, God knows how many. Here, only sharing is with mother. So wonderful. And then she relieves, she does everything. So surrender. This is the key. One single rule to keep surrendering oneself more and more. However, the grace and the help are always there for those who aspire for them and their power is limitless when received with faith and confidence. That's what is the sadhana here. To surrender, to aspire, to try to grow sincere more and more. And when that is there, the grace and the help are there limitless in abundance. And in a way, it is true everywhere. Finally, this question, as I said, how the ashram has, over a period of time, evolved. For a very long time, the ashram was only a gathering of individuals, each one representing something. So as I spoke about the representative natures, each one had one possibility, one difficulty. That's how you see how these letters cover the entire range of humanity. Very surprising. If you read all the letters, you will connect here and there. This applies to me, this applies to me. Because the entire range of humanity, this is the occult arrangement. How they call people and through them, they have answered all the queries. Each one representing something, but as an individual and without any collective organization. So though it seems like a collectivity, it was not a collectivity. They were like separate pawns on a chessboard, united only in appearance, or rather by the purely superficial fact of living together in the same place and having a few habits in common, not even very many, only a few. Each one progressed or didn't progress according to his own capacity and with a minimum of relations with others. So, in accordance with the value of the individuals constituting this odd assemblage, one could say that there was a general value but a very nebulous one and with no collective reality. That lasted for a long time, very long time, very long. And it is only quite recently that the need for a collective reality began to appear. Now this is 1957. So, after 29th February 1956, this seed plot started extending. Because the purpose for which it was formed like a closed, relatively closed community, that began to change even when the children came. So, over a period of time, the ashram has changed many times over. When children came, it it changed. Before that, Hardly you could see people speaking to each other. She's saying each one was an individual. Then the children came. They brought it completely new thing. Then, after the supermind, the center of education started and then the supramental manifestation. So, many things began to change. So, the outer organization has changed, but also something inwardly has changed. That's what she's reminding us. The need for a collective reality began to appear, which is not necessarily limited to the ashram but embraces all who have declared themselves. I don't mean materially, but in their consciousness to be disciples of Surebindo and have tried to live their teaching. So now this is a new thing which has taken place. Now, all of us, wherever we may be, who inwardly believe that we are disciples of Surebindo and want to live their teachings, are all connected. So now what happens in one of us gets translated in everyone and so on and so forth. And this has impacted the ashram life in a certain way because all that closed, concentrated life. Many old timers used to say, oh my God, now there are so many people coming, they couldn't understand. But actually this is important because now the general condition is going to rise up. So I used to tell some of these old timers, please go outside and see what's happening outside so many places, so many people who are inwardly, so beautifully progressing. Precisely because now the collectivity is not just limited to the ashram life. Anyways, that collectivity was uh, hardly uh, true collectivity because true collectivity is not based on anything external. That's how the mother describes. It's based on the inner adhesion. So wherever there are people who are turned towards Mother and Sri And this has come in two, three places. I have just picked up one of the passages. Who are open to them, have declared in their consciousness, they don't have to tell anybody outwardly, that they are disciples of Sri and the Mother. And who are trying to live their teaching now. We are all together and this is what creates the inner ashram. So there is the inner ashram in which many of us are there. Who is there, who is not there, Mother knows. And there are people in the outer ashram who may not be part of the inner ashram this too she has said the people who are outside who may be part of the inner ashram and they come together mix together meet together sangachhatvam sango sangomanasi and eventually till all earth will become a single plan so this disdishir bindu ashram so much more so its relevance as the hub its relevance is not in the past. Ashram is never an institution of the past. The outer things will change. But its relevance is to provide a concrete space, not just for the practice of sadhana, which is, yes, of course, it provides that atmosphere, but most importantly, a hub of supramental, condensation of the supramental forces, consciousness, so that people can come, recharge, shivindhu's words, huh, recharge, and then go back. And then come back again, recharge and go back again. And to those who are devotees, who love the Mother and Sri where else they will go to receive the concrete stamp of the Mother and Sri physical touch. You feel their breath in the atmosphere. And every building where they have walked, where they have put their feet, where they have touched vibrates with their living presence and of course the Samadhi where one feels it so very concretely. So this, the ashram, and so much more, which the human speech cannot describe, it's an occult miracle of the Divine Mother. Do not try to understand it, try to live it, be a part of it. Ma.